Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 107 of the Box Hard Podcast, 107. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by the infamous Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. And yourself? I'm very good, my friend. Last week, I was battling a little bit of the flu, but this week, I am back to winning ways, I want to say. So we're going to proceed with the show as per usual. We're going to start, of course, with the reviewing. And uh, this show is going to be um, its going to be a good one, but I'm going to try to whiz through stuff. I know I always say that, but I really want to try and mean it this time. And also, we're going to be doing a competition later on in the show. And it's going to be a bit of a funny one, to be honest. Anyway, stick around for that. We're going to jump straight into the reviewing now. We're going to start from last Thursday, which was Thursday the 26th of October. Um, there was one fight over in Haiti... Um, Friend of the show, actually, Wilkie Campfort, twenty-three and three. He's the man, of course, that lost to Jamal Charlo um, a couple years back. Now, I think it was, but yeah, Campfort actually picked up a TKO in round three against Jean Carlos Prada, who's a good opponent, to be completely honest. He only really loses to good, good fighters, and that was quite a statement there from Campfort. I'm really pleased for him. He's now twenty-four and three, and Jean Carlos Prada is now thirty-three and five with one draw. Moving over now to Friday. Day. The World Boxing Super Series tournament, uh, I think it was the final fight of the quarterfinals, if I'm not mistaken, um, over in the Sport and Congress Center in Mecklenburg. Um, Jurgen Bremer, 48 and 3, took on Rob Brandt, 22 and 0. Our listeners picked Rob Brandt to win by knockout. I picked Bremer to win by knockout. I, as you didn't have a clue, to be honest, about, about Brandt, but I know that you just decided to throw in a bit of a safety bet. You picked Bremer to win on points, and luckily that is what happened. So um, congratulations on that. I want to say it was a guess because I know that you uh, you weren't too familiar with Brandt. We all were guessing a little bit, I think it's fair to say. But no, what, what really impressed me about that fight, and I kind of knew it before the fight. I did say, and I've been saying it for quite a while, Bremer, although he's definitely seen better days, you know, he's very clever, he's very experienced, and against somebody like Brandt, who was moving up in weight, as I said, but I wasn't actually aware that Bramer moved down in weight as well. So Bramer's really been campaigning at uh, um, light heavyweight for, for quite a while now. And Rob Brandt was coming up from middleweight to super middle. So they met at super middle. And I didn't actually know that. That's why I picked Bramer to win by knockout. And a lot of people were saying on, on fight week that, yeah, Bramer, to move down in weight at this point of his career is quite a strange thing to do. And that's true. I was really impressed with Bramer, though. You know, he seemed to be able to roll back the clock a little bit. And I just kind of think that, I think maybe motivational, um, you know, I think he's had some motivational issues, really, over the past couple of years. And I think the big money that's being, you know, injected into this World Boxing Super Series tournament has kind of reduced him a little bit and you know I wasn't surprised to be honest I think he did really well in the fight you know Brent was clearly inexperienced in there you could see that um, you know making a few silly things falling for little traps that Bramer was setting and Bramer was really fighting really well so uh, 
I think it was a great performance from him. And, of course, he's now 49-3. and three. Rob Brandt racks up his first professional loss. He's now 22-1. and one. And Bremer proceeds to the next round to take on Callum Smith, who was watching with an eagle eye in attendance as well. So they got in the ring after the fight, and I think that Callum Smith, you know, he's going he's gonna to beat... Bremer pretty easily. I think he may even stop Bremer, but we'll talk about that closer to the time. Also on that undercard, I should also mention um, Vincent Feigenbutz moved to 27-2. and two. Uh, It was a KO in round 11 against a guy who was 27-11. and It was for the IBF Intercontinental Super Middleweight title. I didn't see that fight, but congrats to Vincent Feigenbutz. Moving over now to the City Hall in Hull, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. One fight to mention, friend of the show, Isaac Lowe. He picked up a points win against journeyman Chris Adaway. Isaac Lowe now 14-0 with two draws. Adaway was also given a count in the second round because he touched down. Um, I don't think it was a big knockdown from what I've heard. But yeah, points win over six there for Isaac Lowe. Congrats to him. Moving over now to Denmark. One fight to mention over here. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was just the one fight. Yes. Um, there's a guy who was 6-0 and called Ditlev Rossing. And he's actually a cruiserweight. He took on Valerie Brudov, who of course we know over here. You know, he's been around for what seems like a very long time. I remember him taking on Tony Bellew and giving Tony Bellew some problems in their fight. That was one of um, Tony's first fights up at cruiserweight when he moved up from light heavy. Anyway, Brudov, his record is 44-12. and This guy is 6-0. and And this guy actually beat him. But it was a split decision over eight rounds. So, he Either this guy, Ditlev Rossin's actually good, like really, really good, or Brudov's just absolutely shot to death. Moving over now to the Cardiff show, the final bill to mention from last weekend. As I said, we're trying to fly through it. Right, now I'm going to start my rant, okay? I don't really like to do this too often, but when I have to, I have to, and this is one of those times. Firstly, the, you know, the card being £20, as I said, there was nine fights on the bill originally, um, you know, Anthony Joshua's fight, there was a pullout involved. Dave Allen's fight, there was a pullout involved. Um, you know, Dillian White's fight, okay, that was that was quite a decent kind of fight looking at it on paper beforehand. The three Olympians were taking on journeymen. Those guys weren't even, you know, their, their, their opponents hadn't even been announced even on fight week. Um, Katie Taylor, of course, was in a world title fight, but some people are a little bit turned off with women's boxing. Um, Frank Buglioni, again, he had a late replacement with Craig Richards. We spoke about that last week. Um, Kao Yafai was in there against, in my opinion, a little bit of a padded record guy from Japan. So it wasn't a great card going in. Now, it actually failed to meet the very low expectations that we all had. Firstly, when you actually think about what happened here, Um, I'm going to talk about these fights. I'm going to break them down afterwards, and I'm going to talk about the results. But the first fight on the bill was Frank Buglioni versus Craig Richards. Now, that fight was actually on Freeview. You know, like, the first hour of the pay-per-view was free to watch. Uh, You know, so people were watching that. That's fine. So everybody was watching that fight. So that wasn't included in 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 the fee that you've got to pay the £20. Anyway, after the Buglioni fight... Um, then I think next on, if I'm not mistaken, was Cal Yafai. So Cal Yafai fought, okay, went to points. After him, if I'm not mistaken, it was Katie Taylor. Obviously, that fight went to points. And then we saw Dillian White in the ring. 
so Dillian White, um, his fight went to points as well. A bit of a boring card, in all honesty. And then Joshua's fight, of course, was the final fight. So if we actually talk about those fights there, Buglioni was on for free. We got to see Katie Taylor's fight, Dillian White, Joshua, and Cal Yafai. That's four fights. That is £5 a fight. The Olympians didn't get shown on TV. Not even Joe Cordina being a Welshman. Which is unbelievable. Dave Allen's fight didn't even go ahead. So in total, on this bill, there was eight fights. Okay, And we only got to see four of them. That you actually had to pay to see four of them. Three of them weren't shown. And one of them was for free. So it was an absolute disgrace. Um, you know, the, the pullouts and everything to do with this bill, it was just a complete, complete joke. Now, let's talk about each fight, by the way. Frank Buglioni, 20-2 and two with one draw, took on Craig Richards, 10-0, and 0, a late replacement, of course. This one was for the British light heavyweight title, of course, Frank Buglioni's title. Now... What I want to say about this fight, huge credit to Craig Richards. Of course, he looked a little bit nervous at the start of the fight. That had me a little bit worried. The first two rounds, Buglioni was loading up way too much. It seemed like he tried to, you know, make a bit of a statement and tried to get Craig out early. And he kind of tired himself out a little bit, I felt. Now, the third round, Craig Richards fought brilliantly. He was really showcasing his counter-punching ability. And, you know, by that point, he'd actually warmed into the fight. So it got a little bit juicy at that point. He was throwing a wide variety of shots as well from awkward angles um richards did slow over the course of the fight but you, you know you'd have to expect that really as we said he actually fought the previous saturday so two fights in seven days for him and buglioni was able to win many of those rounds due to uh, you know richards tiring quite clearly and buglioni set a fast pace from the start as i said it was a really good fight though i've got a feeling anthony yard would have been licking his lips watching that fight because frank was expected to get the knockout only and i didn't really want to say that on last week's show because i like both guys but i did think in my heart of hearts that frank would have probably stopped him and due to all of the things that i mentioned as well on last week's podcast about how badly craig richards um was against it you know like he was really up against it, of course, moving up in weight just just a few days earlier, having two fights in seven days, not having a game plan properly, you know, set up in place, not having a full camp, all that stuff was against him, and um, you know, I, I really thought that he probably had no chance, but he, he put a great account of himself up. To be completely honest, he did really really well, much better than anybody expected, and I really like both guys. So it's sad to see Craig lose his unbeaten record, but he was just. Such an underdog, and without much notice, you couldn't have really ask for much more from him. He was really good. So credit to Frank also for successfully defending his title once again. Taking another fighter's O as well, and now he's got two defences of that belt. So one more, and he's won it outright. And there's, of course, loads of people trying to scream their names out for that fight, including Jose Burton and the rest. Um, just quickly, Ayaz, if you want to add anything to that fight before we move on to the next one. Uh, I think it was a very good fight. Uh, obviously, Richards was on it. How many was it? Ten days? Sorry, did you say? I think he only had about four days notice. If I'm four days notice, and he took him to a points, which, in my opinion, well done for Richards. But obviously, um, Buglioni he had two pullouts. Callum Johnson, and he ended up fighting Richards. Which four days notice, well done for Richards. But obviously, Buglioni wins the fight. I want to see is him against Jose Burton rematch. Yeah, you can throw Anthony Yard's name in there as well. You know. Either, either one of those. Um, Callum Johnson, of course, you know, I don't think it was his own fault that he ended up in hospital the week before. So, um, 
yeah, it's been a bit of a mad one, but this show has been a complete mad one, this this whole pay-per-view show last weekend. Moving up the bill now, the next fight was Kao Yafai against Sho Ishida. Now, this fight was such a boring fight that I was barely watching it, and I've got to be honest, I mean, I do like Kao Yafai. I picked Kao Yafai to win by stoppage, so did you, Ayers, and we got that wrong. Sho Ishida took him to points. It was a unanimous decision over 12 for Kao Yafai. Um... Also, just to mention, the Buglioni and Richards fight, that was a unanimous decision over 12 for Buglioni. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything to say on the Kalyafai fight. The bits that I did see of it, it was it was quite boring. Obviously, Shoishida was 24-0 going in, Kalyafai 22-0, Kalyafai takes his O. But aside from that, I mean, it was just a routine defense of his WBA World Super Flyweight title. I think the guy's record was better than... You know, it was better than what he really was. It kind of suggested that he was a lot better than what he was, in my opinion. Um, you know, he was quite a big guy for the weight, I suppose. But, I mean, aside from that, he didn't really offer much. Anything to add to that Cal Yafai fight, Ayaz, or should we just move on? I mean, very um, tough fight for uh, Yafai. Uh, Ishida did very good, but Cal Yafai wins, and now he's going to, I think, next fight is going to be in America. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, they're talking about that, of course. Um, this one, as I said there, we picked Kao Yafai to win by knockout. Our listeners picked Yafai to win by points, so they picked up a point there. Um, also on that bill, moving up to the next fight, I want to talk about Anihi Esther Sanchez. She was 17-2, and took on Katie Taylor, 6-0, 10 two-minute rounds. Of course, it went the full distance. Sanchez, again, another thing I forgot to mention at the top of talking about this, Bill. Sanchez, of course, failed to make the weight, so she lost her title on the bloody scales. Just another, you know, insult to injury, I suppose, on this card. Um, Katie Taylor, again, this this was one what, I've got to be honest, I wasn't really watching this too much either. I mean, the bits I did see... um, Katie Taylor, you know, was fighting really well, obviously, a lot of people saying this was the fight of the night, and in some ways, she kind of saved the show, that's what some people are saying, Um, you know, the bits I did see, she showed her class, but it was just so expected, I mean, she was a huge, huge favourite going in, and, you know, I thought she'd have probably stopped this woman, but she didn't, the woman was really, really, really game though, man, I've got to give her a lot of credit, and, um, you know, she was fighting like a woman who didn't want to lose her title, despite she'd already lost it um, the day before on the scales, so credit to Mrs. Sanchez, or Miss Sanchez, I'm guessing, she's probably not married, um, I'm not quite sure, I won't comment on that, but anyway, she's 17 and free, Katie Taylor's the new WBA World Female Lightweight Champion, she is now 7 and 0, a perfect record, moving up the bill once again, Dillian White 21 and 1 took on Robert Hellenius 25 and 1, this fight Ayaz was the most boring fight I've seen in my life, I'm going to try to kind of give my voice a little bit of an injection of life right now because I don't want to, you know, make people fall asleep now. This fight was terrible, okay? I don't even want to talk about it. This fight was so bad. Basically, Hellenius from the start, I don't think he was in the shape to, you know, fight at a fast pace and, 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 you know, especially for 12 rounds. I think he just tried to survive really from the first bell. But every now and then he was kind of throwing like a hard right hook to the body and it got just underneath um, Dillian White's elbow, you know, like in a perfect, perfect sweet spot on the body there, just to kind of remind him that you can't be too reckless with me, so to speak. And, um, you know, Dillian White, really and truly, over the over the course of the rounds, I think in the later part of the fight, like the last couple rounds, he really tried to kind of put his foot on the gas, but it was just too late. I mean, Robert Hellenius is tough. I give him a little bit of credit on that, but... 
boy, oh boy, I wouldn't want to see the CompuBox stats. I'm glad they didn't do it because the fight was just so boring. Nobody threw anything. And, um, I mean, if you sit here and talk about, like, the best punch of the fight, I'd, I'd really struggle to try and find that punch. There wasn't one. It was just complete, completely boring. I can't believe that. And people will watch that, especially, you know, the likes of Deontay Wilder. He'll watch that and go, yeah, I fancy £5 million for that fight. Of course. Because that just looked, you know, he looked terrible. He just looked so ponderous and, you know, he just didn't know what to do. He really didn't. So, uh, yeah, a win, of course, which is the most important thing, but a very bad... Um, a bad look of the win there for Dillian White. I'm not even going to ask your opinion on this, Ayaz, because it was so boring. His record, 22-1. and one. He's the new WBC silver heavyweight champion. Um, hopefully we see him in a big fight, a fight that, I mean, it can't be worse than that. But yeah, hopefully we see him in a fight that's a little bit more exciting. Robert Hellenius now 25-2. and two. Um, This fight, by the way, Ayaz... Um, myself and you went with Dillian White to win on points. Our listeners went with him to win by knockout, so we gained a point there. So it's quite exciting so far. And the scores I will read out, of course, once we've done all of this. Um, also on that bill, what did we have? What did we have? Um, Katie Taylor, Frank Buglioni, Dillian White, Cal Yafai. Um, let's talk about the three Olympians. Nobody saw these fights, of course, but I'm going to just fly through it. Josh Boazzi moved to 3-0, and a points win over six rounds against a guy who was 10-6 and six with two draws. Lawrence Ocoli, he moved to 6-0, and a TKO in round three. His opponent was 1-1. One and one. Boy, oh boy. Joe Caldina, the Welshman, he actually ends up taking on a guy here who had a losing record. How disappointing is that? Joe Caldina now proceeds to 5-0, and a points win over four rounds against a guy who was 3-8. and eight. And now the main event, of course, Anthony Joshua, 19-0, and 0, putting his IBF, WBA Super and IBO World Heavyweight titles on the line against Carlos Takam, the late replacement. Another thing, Eddie Hearn said that 12 weeks ago or so, he'd contacted Takam's team and said, you know, we're going to get him on the bill in Monaco if he can't fight Joshua. So basically, what he was saying was, just in case Pulev picks up an injury, which just, I know that I've been congratulating him on the last few podcasts for doing this, because it's very clever promoting if if it is in fact the truth. But what I've actually, you know, noticed when you look deeper into it, He's been saying, I've told Carlos Takam to train for the Joshua fight, and if Pulev does go through with the fight, then he can fight on our Monaco bill the following weekend, which of course is this weekend. Um, Now, if he did that, then why was there no mention of Takam fighting on that bill at all? There was no mention. And that bill, if I'm not mistaken, I think it, it's it's already been like announced as having, two, I think it's maybe two or three, I think it may be three, 12-round contests. So, you know, he wouldn't have been in a 12-rounder. He would have been in some kind of six-rounder or four-rounder or maybe an eight-rounder at best. So, he was, you know, how can you kind of train for a 12-round world title fight against Anthony Joshua? And and also kind of at the same time train for an eight rounder against a journeyman in Monaco. You know, it just doesn't make sense. 
So I'm not quite sure if that was the actual truth, because when we spoke to Takam, or not we spoke to Takam, but when the UK media spoke to Takam with his translator there, and his translator basically translated that Takam said he'd only had about 10 or 12 or maybe 11 days to prepare for the fight, so he didn't have the 12 weeks that Eddie Hearn said. So that that kind of come out the woodwork a little bit there, and Eddie Hearn, I haven't seen him commenting since on that. I'd like to know what he says about that, because that was quite crazy. I mean... You know, if people knew, if the word was out that this guy's only had 11 days to prepare for Joshua, who would have really bought that pay-per-view? Let's be honest. So he had to try and tell a little bit of a lie there because people go, yeah, okay, he's had a he's had a proper camp. Joshua, we were being told that Joshua didn't even have, you know, that, that long to prepare, maybe 12 days or something like that. So, you know, Takam's been preparing for three months or whatever we were told. It was complete nonsense by the looks of it. Um... Anyway, the fight was obviously much tougher than expected. Anthony Joshua got headbutted. I think it was in maybe the first or second round by Takam. Um, and of course, the fight ended up going to round 10, where the stoppage was just unbelievable. I mean, it was so premature, it was a joke. Um, it, it was just poor officiating. Joshua was looking a little bit tired. I don't think he was as tired as some people are making out. Um, Carlos Takam was cut over the left eye, they were trying to, you know, they, they kept bringing the doctor in to have a look at that, I was hoping they didn't stop it, then he got cut on the right eye, and throughout all these adversities, he still carried on, he still carried on, he still tried giving it his all, so massive, massive credit to Carlos Takam, the fans gave him that, you know, that, that reception that he deserved in attendance there, and, um, you know, Anthony Joshua marches on, of course, he's now 20 and oh, he retains all the belts, retains his undefeated record, but he wasn't overly impressive, I as I'm going to just say that much and give it to you. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, well done to Anthony Joshua for winning the fight, obviously he got st- uh, stopped in 10th round. I remember saying in the podcast, like, you went for round two and I went for round five. There, there was an accident, a bit of a head clash with him, and you can see, like, I thought in this fight... In the third round, Anthony Joshua broke his nose, but he didn't. He actually bruised it. And Joshua was hitting him. You know, Takam, Takam was actually taking it. I'll tell you one thing. I'm giving huge credit to Carlos Takam. Taking the Pule pull out the fight. I, I was, I was, to be honest, I was looking very looking forward to the Pule. I thought it would be a very competitive fight. But Takam impressed me a lot. Joshua was hitting him, yeah? And Takam was taking it. Joshua dropped him once, yeah? And he goes, uh, Takam got saved by the bell. The 10th round came. Did it, should have got, got stopped? No. What this reminds me of, it reminded me of the fight when Frotch fought George Groves, right? Frotch was hitting George Groves, George, George Groves was hitting him back, and the referee stopped it. It's exactly the same thing. The referee should not have stopped it. Maybe in the next 30 seconds, we could have seen how if Takam was doing. I saw a couple of interviews saying that, oh, yes, that's good, they pulled him out. Takam was dead, he was going. Personally, I, was, I, I, think, that was, I think that stoppage was wrong. Now Joshua, he's he's won this fight. Where does he go from here? Well, for me personally, if I want to see him, if I want to see him next fight, Joshua, I want to see him with someone like a Joseph Parker or Pulev. I want to see him fight someone that. I'm, I, I like I said, I give huge credit to Takam, gave him a good fight, but Joshua did not look really impressive. The reason one is that he was heavy on the night. He was heavy on the weighing. It's like he's putting so much muscle. Now the thing is, he was very slow. Now, if someone like a Fury comes in, Fury will outbox him and beat him on points. Now, Joshua, if I want to see him, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Now that Joshua's won this fight, where does he go from here? Personally, I'm, I think he'll fight uh, Thing next. I've got a feeling he's going to fight Parker next. 
Yeah, just to reiterate there, um, you know, I chose I chose Joshua to win by knockout between one and four. Um, our listeners went with one and four as well, and you, of course, went with between five and eight, and it ended up exceeding all of our expectations and going to round ten. Um, of course, you know the rounds would the round to pick on the, on the competition would have been rounds nine to twelve to win that, and um, very few people went with that. Um, but but no, back to what you were saying. I don't really think he got he got like saved by the bell. I mean, he went down and got straight back up, and. Um, you know, it was a little. I wouldn't say it was flash because it was it was quite a good knockdown, quite a good shot landed. But you know, he didn't seem to be all that phased by it. Um, but no, you know, he, he got up and uh, you know he, he showed a lot of heart, of course, all the way up to the stoppage. But if I'm not mistaken, I think the last three punches that um, that Joshua landed, I think all three of them missed. That's what I've been hearing. I only watched the stoppage just um, obviously once live and once on the replay, and that was it. But no, you know, it was it was a bad stoppage. We've seen this quite a few times now from Joshua's opponents. They've just been stopped, um, you know, quite prematurely. Um, and another thing, another another time we've seen this happen where the referee's grabbed hold of an opponent, got him in some kind of headlock, and Joshua lands one with the guy's head, you know, underneath the referee's arm, like, you know, in a headlock. Like, you, I've seen that a few times now. And that, that again, like you said, is reminiscent of the George Groves stoppage. I mean, we saw Howard Foster basically, uh, you know, assist assist Carl Froch there big time. He got him in a headlock, and I think Froch landed one or two with Groves' head through the uh, the referee's the referee's armpit. But um, no, I mean, the fight itself it wasn't overly impressive. What makes me laugh though is I've been saying for the longest time that. Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua is a 50-50 fight because both men were unproven at the time. Both men could put you out with one punch, and it's just really a case of they both fought bums. And I, I won't, you know, I couldn't really. Um, maybe it was a 60-40 to Joshua, but that's about it. I couldn't really confidently say who'd win that fight. And then, of course, Joshua took on. Um, Vladimir Klitschko, and I've been quite critical. I've said all the things, the differences between Joshua's win and Fury's win over Klitschko. I've said millions and millions of times that Fury's win was much more impressive. They both had a big test in front of them, and you know, Tyson Fury come through very much unscathed compared to Joshua. It was very much a life and death win that night, but a big learning fight for him. Anyway, in this fight, he he was so under impressive. I mean, despite you know the the height difference was huge. Joshua looked like you know a big 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 guy in there against this midget. So it looked, and um, you know Joshua was obviously able to 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 to, to hit him many times, and Takam was able to take the licks and. You know, kept getting up, kept showing. Well, I say kept getting up. He only got up the once, but you know, he kept showing so much grit, and he kept he kept showing a good chin and all the rest of it. So, Joshua didn't look all that good. And now, what makes me laugh is is funny because people are now turning around saying, "Oh, I'd like to see the Wilder fight. That'd be a, that's a real hard fight to pick." And they're also saying some actual some actual people are now changing their opinion and saying Tyson Fury Tyson Fury would beat him. Like, all of a sudden, you know, these guys are changing their opinion just on that performance. I have, you know, I've felt like this the whole time. So, uh, you know, it's, it's funny to see people kind of just following the fashion kind of thing. You know, I've been saying this this for a long time. But no, I think, you know, Joshua will probably beat Wilder. I think right now, without Fury in the occasion, Joshua is undoubtedly the best heavyweight in the world. But, should Tyson Fury come back, 
it doesn't mean he would beat Joshua in the first fight. I think that would be suicidal, taking Joshua on in his first fight back. That couldn't even happen. And, um, you know, we need to see him back in a, in a couple of fights before he takes on Joshua. And even then, he might not ever be the fury that he was that night in Germany against Klitschko. So it would be a great shame because I think that... Tyson Fury definitely beats any version that we've seen thus far of Joshua, but it's just a case of can he recapture his old self, so to speak. You know, that's the question that remains to be answered. But listen, the heavyweight division has been for a long, long time a very interesting division. There was a little bit of a dead period, and at the moment, even though it's not probably the greatest, there's still some excitement to look forward to there. And Tyson Fury hopefully coming back very soon, of course. Um, he's been in he's been in the news just recently this week, so uh, all the very best to the big man. Hopefully we see him sometime next year. And that really wraps up the reviewing. We've done all the talking about last week's fights. It's now time to welcome, before we wrap up part one, our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former two-time heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Eric Molina. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, sir. So, Eric, we last spoke, it was a long, long time ago, we actually last spoke the week of your win over Thomas Adamek. So it's been ages. Obviously, since then, you've had two fights, one against Anthony Joshua. Obviously, that you know that was a bad night for yourself. And then, of course, the win over Jamal Woods, in which you won a majority decision over six rounds. Firstly, Eric, looking back at the Joshua fight, just briefly, did you underestimate him in that fight? Was he better than what you thought? What do you remember most about that night last December? Well, I mean, what a lot of people don't realize is that with the Joshua fight, I had too many things go wrong. You know, I, I've been the B-side of most fights, most big fights my entire career. And for the Joshua fight, I just had I had everything that could go wrong, go wrong. Um, my head trainer had immigration issues. I went into the fight with no trainer. My my friends in the gym trained me. I was going through some personal issues with my my wife. I was going through some tough times in my, my life. Traveling all over the world to England and back home. We fought on short notice. Our stay in England, it, it was difficult to get acclimated in England uh, with the food and everything. It's just a lot of things that add up to, a lot of little things that add up to the big things. When you fight Joshua, you can't have those kind of things go wrong. And uh, also, in the preparation, you know, I didn't have anybody that quite looked even close to to Joshua's size and speed and power for my preparation. So, um, of course, I'm not the type of guy that always likes to talk about excuses. He beat me. Joshua's a strong guy. But when I look at all the things that went wrong, uh, of course, it, it, it's without without a doubt, I felt like it, it was the right outcome for him to beat me the way he did. No, fair enough, fair enough. Very honest of you to say so. And obviously now, moving on to what's next for you, another big fight here. You're fighting Dominic Brazil this weekend on the Wilder versus Stavern 2 undercard. Now, Brazil was originally yeah. supposed to be fighting Stavern, of course, until Altis failed a drugs test. When were you actually first contacted to be a replacement, and how long did it take you to accept the offer? What was the process, Eric? Well, I was contacted about 20 days ago from today. Or no, actually, maybe maybe a little bit less, 19 days from from today, and it was just an idea at first, 
and uh, from there we they went back and forth for like two three days, and and uh, the fight was made. So, you know, there's certain things that it's one of those things where you get called, they make an offer. I'm just like, yeah, you know what? It's short notice. This type of fighting can take place if if these demands aren't met, and you know, you put demands on the table, and the next day they're like, hey, you know what? We're willing to do these things. So, um, they're, they're willing to do all the things that, that you're demanding. So the fight gets made, but to make a fight in, you know, 21 days to fight Dominic Brazil for the WBC title elimination bout is, is not a fight that you want to just go in and, uh, be unprepared for, you know, the, it can't just be a regular fight. It's got to be something at stake. So, you know, they, they were able to do certain things to make the fight happen, and so I, I took the fight. And when you mention those things, and I know that contractually, of course, we can't go into um, certain things, but is there anything you can share that you wanted them to kind of, you know, change their mind on and perhaps, you know, kind of move the goalposts a little bit more in your favor? Is there anything you can tell us about? Well, I mean, number one, always working with Don. Don King is never easy. So, you know, it's always it's always the financial part first, and then uh, talking about what would be at stake for the fight. You know, if I'm gonna fight him, you know, can we make an elimination bout? Is it something that that, that could be uh, something like like something that means? Can can we put something where the winner can can go out and fight for a title? You know, what can we do this fight for other than just making a fight? So. We went back and forth a day or two. They were able to put put the right things on the table, and we'll take the fight, though. But, you know, it's just one of those things. And were you in camp at the time getting ready to fight, or were you just ticking over in the gym kind of thing? Well, I'm from South Texas, man, and there's really not much resources down here. Um, it's kind of hard to say what camp is. Um, when we talk camp, to prep to prepare, I, I bring sparring in. I bring uh, when you talk a big fight, I, I bring sparring in. I bring somebody to help train. I get I get um, therapy for certain little tweaks that I get on on my body for physical therapy. I have to do a lot of things like that to make sure that I'm ready to go on that level, on that world level. So. Was I even close to that? No, absolutely not. But what, was I in the gym, you know, doing some workouts? Yeah, I'm always in the gym. I'm always in the gym. The gym is where I love to be at. But what, was I, uh, it's one thing to be in the gym, and it's one thing to be training for a world-class fight. Okay, fair enough. So you were in the gym, of course, as you say. You're, you're in there most of the time. Now, what I will say um, last time we spoke, as I say, it was it was quite a while ago now. But I remember back when we were, were talking back then. At the time, you were not only boxing, but also you were teaching disabled children at a school. Right. Now, a lot of people didn't right. actually know that. A lot of people forget that as well. Are you boxing full time now, or have you still got a foot in that? No, I'm in my sixth year as a special education teacher. I'm still a teacher. Oh wow! That's what I do. And uh, I own my own gym now. I have a really nice gym in the city where where I am a teacher at. 
and uh, that's my life. That's what I do, man. You know, I can't just sit home and do nothing and just go to the gym. It leaves me too much time to do other things. And I love what I do. I love working with kids. I love I love uh, sharing my story. I love the struggle of, of everything uh, teaching and boxing uh, brings to my life. To box on this level with the names that I've been in the ring with, many people don't know that. I'm a teacher. That's what I do. But I love challenging myself, man. I love it. I love it. And, and uh, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it for, for the world. I I, uh, I enjoy my life. I, I, like I said, I started my career 0-1. And I've been able to – I fought the biggest heavyweights of my era, of this time. I fought both of them to become heavyweight world champ. I fought both of them while I was a, a teacher. Yeah. So that's my story, man. And, and, and I might have came up short, but it's like I tell everybody, you know, to bounce back from 0-1, when you start your career 0-1, you don't get, you don't get the benefits – of, of starting off as an Olympian or or an amateur fighter, you 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 cannot ever understand the uh, the the things a fighter has to go through from starting his career on one to get to the levels where I've got to. So that that that's a that's a measure of my fortitude. It's a measure of my the person that I am and. Uh, Man, I'm proud of my story, man. I'm proud of every day I wake up. I push it. I push it. It's, 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 my, it's my story. Hey, listen, I'm proud of your story as well. Like I say, I remember when you, you know, you said that on our show a while ago and, uh, you know, in the UK, we'd never heard of anything like that, you know, especially from yourself. And we were, you know, putting that story about at the time and, uh, you know, a lot of people, that touched a lot of people. And like I say now, as you say there, you, you've now got your own gym. So you're kind of teaching kids in a school and then perhaps teaching kids in the gym as well. You've got a, you've got a school in two different, uh, you know, two different kind of uh, setups, if you like, educationally and of course leisurely in the gym and uh you know also uh you know dedication wise is, is is in peril for both of those things now moving on to this fight here this fight here eric obviously dominic I, 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 go on i, I would like i would like to, to to kind of touch on that on the, on this this how we're touching is that when i hear it a lot in the media the people that, that follow me the people that that keep up with me they know who i am they know me as a hard worker. And just with the story that I just told you, you got to believe that I'm a hard worker. You got to believe that. You got to believe I'm an honest worker. And there's one thing, there's one thing that really, really, really gets under my skin. I don't even mind losing. I wake up the next day and I'll figure it out and my life will go on the same way it will as a, after a win. Yeah. But the one thing with all the media... And all the people out there might hear about my story. And they can say, oh, man, this guy's a teacher. This guy's a teacher. And he's a joke. And he's a big boxing man. What the hell is it? But you know what? How many times have you ever heard of a pet case with my name on it? None. Zero. And you're going to these people out there want to knock me for my story. But they want to embrace multiple multiple athletes, fighters that have got caught several times on performance-enhancing drugs 
and embrace it after their suspension into the sanctions and the ranking in their media coverage. To me, that's a joke. In this sport, I'll tell you, I'm on the other side of these punches. When you get hit by punches from athletes that are pumped up on performance-enhancing drugs, you can kill somebody. And how is it in this sport that we all love so much that you can get caught one, two, three times and still be in position to fight for a world title? And the media knows who these fighters are. Hell, I'm in this fight this Saturday because of a drug cheat. So my story and things that I do will never be tied to cheating. I'll take a loss. I'll take a bad loss. But I do everything that I have to do. And not once do I think about cheating. Not once. And that's my story. That's a part of my story that the media might not care about, that the common fan might not care about. But that's a story that I'm that proud of. Listen, Eric, I mean, like I say, there's, you know, media's media and, uh, you know, I, I can't I can't speak for those guys. I mean, we're certainly different here. Like I say, we've we've been behind you for a long, long time. So I don't share the opinions or the views of some of these some of these others. But, you know, you, you say there about you've been on the end of, of punches from guys that are on peds and stuff like that. And that's a, a bit of a dangerous avenue to go down in terms of questions. But that begs the question from me. If you're saying that you've been in with somebody who's clearly taking peds and you've felt their punches, that kind of begs the question of who was that guy, Eric, if I can ask that, Man, if you'd like to answer that. I, I, I will say this, is that four or five years ago, I sat back and I said, these are the guys who I think are on peds. These are the guys who I think are messing around. And you know what? Little by little. They all get pegged. They all get knocked off the shelf, one by one. The media and the people out there know what's going on. They just don't care. It doesn't matter in this sport. It's a brutal sport, and if heads means more brutality, bring it on. That's yeah. really what the sport has, has told the people, is that whatever brings more brutality, bring it on. Let's go. I, I mean, you guys know. You can sit down. You know the game. You, you see who's running around, who's who turns 35, who turns 35 in their mid-30s and all of, all of a sudden starts knocking people out crazy. You guys love that stuff. The media loves it. Povetkin, that not once, did, did he, was he known as a as a knockout artist and all of a sudden he's in his mid-30s and he's, he's knocking out everybody in the top 10 devastatingly. And then now I read that in, in one more fight, he's in the title elimination bout to be a mandatory. How does that happen? I'm ashamed of my sport right now. That's taken to me. That the sport that I love so much allows that to happen. It sickens me to my stomach sometimes thinking about it. But that that that's the sport of boxing. And it ain't it ain't gonna change anytime soon. And he ain't the only one. He ain't the only one that has that has had cases like this. There's others. And there's others that haven't gotten caught. There's others that that here, WBC and beta testing, and they run for their lives from the beta testing. They don't want nothing to do with the WBC because that requires the best testing randomly. And they, they don't want that. That's not good. They'd rather not even be identified by the WBC. 
yeah, all those a, fighters. A, you guys know who they are. You guys know who they are. I don't got to mention no names. They know who they are. You know who they are. It is a cruel sport. It is a cruel sport. But if we, uh, you know, let, let's let's talk about the more positive things. Of course, we can we can talk about the negatives in boxing all day long. Um, obviously, this weekend yourself and Dominic Brazil. Now, obviously, Dominic Brazil had to scrap his game plan for Stavern and adjust to fighting somebody like right. yourself, which is a hard task to do. And obviously, you've had to get yourself ready without having too much notice. Now, both of you are very familiar with each other. Of course, you're both top heavyweights. How well do you know Dominic Brazil? was a fighter. What are your thoughts on him, Eric? I ran into Dominic Brazil several times. You know, I've seen him. He's a big guy. He's a big, strong. He's an Olympian. You know, he's got great size. I think the best thing about him is he loves to bang and he uses his size to advantage. Um, other than that, I don't see really not nothing much, nothing great about him. He uses his size to advantage. He's a big heavyweight. I think he's kind of slow. I don't, I don't think he's nothing special, to be honest with you. Other than his size, that's it. That's all you can really say. A guy six foot seven um, should be moving around like Tyson Fury. He should be moving around. He should be boxing. He's in the ring. And uh, well, he, it is what it is. You know, it's work for him. His, his style's work for him. I've seen his last fight, and, and it was a big win for him. It is what it is, but, you know, I kind of criticize the way the other guys approach their the fights with him. Um, I don't care how strong you are. You can't go in and try and out-muscle somebody that big. This is just my opinion. So um, he's a good fighter. He, he brings heart to the table. He can bang. And I'm looking forward to to. to, to I love these fights, man. I, I love getting in there. You know, I, I love being the underdog. You give me short notice. I've been in these fights my whole career. I've been in the short notice. And uh, these are the type of fights that, you know, like, wh- wh- what can I say? I've been in these fights. So, to me, it's it's just like, uh, let, let's just do it. Let's get it on. Let's go. Yeah, you mentioned his last fight there. It was, it was a very fun fight. Obviously, he, uh, you know, it wasn't a cakewalk by any means. It was a very good fight, though. But, of course, he got the W. Now, last week, we had Dominic Brazil on our show. And I asked him for a prediction. I asked him for a prediction to which he responded by saying he believes he will knock you out within three rounds. How do you react to that, Eric? I love to hear that. I love hearing that. To me, I, 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 I want to hear that because uh, I, I want him to underestimate me because that's been the biggest mistake of many fighters. It's been, a, it's been the biggest mistake of many fighters. So if he thinks that he's going to have a short night with me, well, I would love him to think that because it will work out in my favor. I got the power to hurt him. I got, I got, I got real power. I got real training for this fight. My timing is perfect. My balance. Ain't no excuses for this fight. I'm 35 years old now, and uh, like I said, I've been in these fights. And this fight for me, I want to see if I can still do this on this level. Still. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm answer that question for myself this Saturday. But uh, that prediction of three rounds. The last guy that predicted three rounds almost wound up on his back in the third round. I don't know if you remember who predicted a third <laughs> round knockout. So, like I said, I love I love this. I love the prediction. Predict all you want. So, just just be careful. Just be careful with them. 
Yeah, one thing I did I did ask Brazil about was was your power. I said, does he believe that you've got the power to hurt him? And he didn't deny that for one minute. I think he was he knew that you did have or did carry good power. Now, should you win this fight, Eric? Who would be next on your hit list? Because you know you, you're talking to me about you've had the two world title fights. Your story's been so good, but it's it's far from over at this point. If you win this fight, you know this sets up huge fights. I mean, one fight I'd love to see you in, and I've got to be honest, you against Joseph Parker is a brilliant fight. I'd love to see that. But who would be on your hit in your hit list without me putting names in your mouth, so to speak? Man, I, I just with the fan base as good as it is. And even and just to the point of my life where I was at, it's just kind of bitter for me to to know that I had to go there and, and the, all the things that went wrong. I would like to go back to England and be involved in a big fight down there. It doesn't really matter. Who. Just 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 to be just get in the big fights. I mean, to me, it doesn't really matter who rematch with Wilder. I don't care whoever whoever it doesn't matter. Man. You know, to me though, I, I can tell you this though. I believe every day that I got the power. I got the power and the speed to knock Brazil out, to hit him harder than he's ever been hit, and knock him out. I believe that, and uh, I'm confident in that. And uh, if the if the, when that win when that win comes, we'll see what happens after that. Man, that, that, there's so much going on in the heavyweight division. But I'll say this though, from from a fan side, from from a fan point of view. You know, there's so many big fights to be made, but I'm kind of sitting on the outside in, and I'm like everybody else. I want to see, I want to see Wilder versus Joshua. You know what I mean? That that's a that once once that clears up, you can kind of the, the smoke will clear up, and that'll make the way for all these other fights that everybody else is trying to figure out what these two guys are going to do and stuff. So. I would like to see that fight, man. It would be a very good fight. I shared the room with both guys. I think it'd be good for both. I tell you one fight that you know that that does jump out at me. If you do have a desire to come back to to the UK, like you kind of said there, if it wasn't against Joshua, I know that Eddie Hearn's been saying for ages that nobody wants to fight Dillian White. And if you was to put your you know put yourself forward for that fight, if that was one that interested you, I'd be quite confident that you could get that fight, especially because of your appeal over here. Everybody knows that you fought you know fought Anthony Joshua. I think Eddie Hearn would really like that fight. Yeah, I, I think definitely this being an elimination bout, if I can knock this guy out on Saturday, I think that'd be the, the that'd be my preferred move is to go fight Dylan White in England. Why not? I love that. I, I, love that. I, I, I like the idea, and, and I, I can see anything else more fitting. And uh, I can I can assure you, I can assure everybody that my confidence in my training and, and the way I'm feeling, I know that if I land that shot on him, I can, I can knock him out. So. Um, it's, it's definitely it's heavyweight boxing, and uh, and the thing that I love about this heavyweight boxing is that I got the punch that could that could change things, um, and uh, that's definitely that's definitely something that I'm extremely interested in. Uh, if if I pull off this win on Saturday. Yeah, I'm very interested in that too, like I say. Right, last couple of questions. I want to try to go through these a little bit speedy. Um, Joshua, of course, fought Carlos Takam this past Saturday. Did you get a chance to watch it at all? If so, what did you think? I thought it was a good fight. I saw a couple of rounds in it. I saw the way it finished. You know, I think like everybody else, um, it was an early stoppage, but 
it is what it is. You know, he, he fought his fight, and, and uh, you know, he did well. I thought Packham was turning on there on the 10th round, and and uh, I think that he would have finished maybe a little stronger than Joshua, but that's yet to be seen, and, and the fight was over. And that's it. It was a good one for Joshua. He moves on with his career. Packham, Packham brings a very slippery style, and uh, it, it could definitely bring problems to anybody that has to adjust to it, you know, in a little time. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a nightmare fighter, I think. I think he's in the who-needs-him club kind of thing at this point anyway. Um, also, this weekend, of course, the main event of, of your whole fight card, um, Deontay Wilder versus Stavern, the rematch. Does Stavern have a chance? A lot of people seem to think no this side of the water. Well, I'll be honest. I shared the ring with both fighters. Uh, I did many rounds sparring with Stavern, and I have more rounds sparring with Wilder, and I have my fight with Wilder. One thing that I noticed with Wilder is that he's gotten better through the years. Um, since I fought him, I, I and then been in the ring with him, you know, a year afterwards or a little over a year afterwards, I, I, I like what he's doing with his jab. He's got a better jab. Um, he's boxing more. Um, he's using his, his his length. He's using his size, and uh, that's one thing about Wilder is that. In this heavyweight division, is that it's like every any other division. Styles makes fights. Styles makes fights, and and just like this kid Tackham, his style gave Joshua problems. But my style didn't give Joshua problems. That don't mean that the next style will or will not give somebody problems. You just don't know how how uh, different different rhythms come into place in, in these fights. So I kind of feel personally that. That, that Wilder brings, uh, I don't know if Stavern could bring something different to the table. Um, you know, I think that he's going to need to press the action more. Um, if not, I see him losing, you know, the, the, the fight the same way, but he's going to have to, he's going to have to press the issue and he's going to have to break the jab. And, and I think Deontay Wilder's jab is, is pretty, is way better than what it was the first time. So those are two diff- two things to really key on, key in on. But I'll tell you one thing about Wilder, man, is that when when I break down Anthony Joshua and I break down Deontay Wilder, when when you look at what what Joshua did to me, I, I I've always had trouble with the three fours and fives. Joshua could sit down and throw a three four five punch combination in rhythm on his toes. That doesn't you don't see that in the heavyweight division. You don't see fighters doing that in the heavyweight division. You see a lot of fighters doing it like what Wilder does. He throws that one or two punch power. You can see their shoulder movements. You can see their body movements. You can get ready you can get ready for it. I've always been kind of strong reading those those movements. That's why I was able to to kind of work uh against Wilder more. But Joshua I have always struggled with the three, four and fives. He's very fluid. He doesn't give away his punches. So he took that out of the element when I fought him. So that was just another thing. Um, and facing a guy like Joshua, that's that size, it has always been like a weakness of mine, somebody that could come off with punches and rhythm. These are things that, that other fighters might not have trouble with. So when if they were to face each other or face other, you don't know the strength and weaknesses of other fighters when they fight each other. So... But Wilder can destroy anything that he touches with one shot. 
with one punch, he could, he, he could knock anything out, anything. So you cannot take that away from him. And, and Joshua is a combination puncher. He's a big guy, and, and he comes off very fluidly. So if, if somebody could, could uh, get into that rhythm and pick him off, then they'll have a good chance. But if they don't, then they're going to they're gonna run into some problems. I was going to save that question for last there. It's a bit of a sexy question. Perhaps 2018, <laughs> we may see it. Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, you've kind of broke it down a little bit. Who wins that fight, Eric? That is a beautiful fight. That's a, that, I'm sure Deontay Wilder wins that fight by knockout. Wow. Really? And I'm going to tell you why, because the whole world judges what Anthony Joshua did to me as a measuring stick for Deontay Wilder. But the whole world doesn't know that when I fought Anthony Joshua, everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. And Anthony Joshua's style for me is the worst style you could ever put in front of me. It, it could have been a short, smooth fighter, boxer, puncher that would have given me a lot of problems. But it's just what I know about myself. And, and uh, I, I would say Deontay Wilder wins by knockout between rounds five and nine. Wow. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, you know, I can't sit here and give a better opinion. You've shared the ring with both of them. Not many have. So, um, yeah, that is that is something. I'm definitely going to log that one. Um, and I wanted to, to get your prediction if you have got one against Brazil this weekend. Obviously, I said Brazil himself said last week to me that within three rounds he sees himself winning by knockout. Do you have any prediction or would you rather not say? Um, well, if you predicted the third round, watch the third round very careful because, okay. uh, if, if, if he thinks he's going to knock me out, I, I just, I just, last person that, that tried to predict third round knockout almost got knocked out himself. So watch the third round very carefully. Okay. I certainly, certainly will. I'll be watching every round carefully, to be honest. It's uh, it's a really thrilling fight. And just before I let you go, Eric, anything that you want to tell our listeners? Of course, you know you've got a bit of a fan base here in the UK now. Um, we're, we're to blame for that some some little bit, I suppose. <laughs> and also the fight with Joshua. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for having me on and just uh, a bit, uh, send a big hello to all the, the fans from the UK and all the, all the, the diehard boxing fans out there and and for everything that they do for the heavyweight division and for the sport of boxing and, and just uh, send them a big, big hello. Excellent stuff. And finally, you're, 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 you're on social media, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. What are those places? How can they follow you there? Um, TDB Boxing on Instagram, TDB Boxing, Twitter, TDB Boxing and Instagram. They can follow me on there and uh, we'll be, we'll be, uh, uploading stuff throughout the week of the event and getting down there and meeting up with uh, just friends, uh, meeting up with Deontay Wilder and and just whoever's down there and just uh, being a part of this whole thing, man. So uh, keep up with me, guys, and uh, we'll, we'll be there. Listen, Eric, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Best of luck for Saturday, and we'll catch up sometime afterwards, my friend. All right. Thank you, man. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But as always, before we get into that, we go over to Ayaz with the hottest news in the boxing world. Ayaz. Terry Flanagan has vacated his WBO belt. Yeah, it's a, it's a mad one. He's, he's vacated his WBO lightweight world title. We were told that it, you know a deal between himself and Linares was all but done. 
and all of a sudden he vacates the title and moves up to 140. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's very, it's extremely misleading. It's not like he's, you know, this was just a, a silly little mistake. To actually go on record to say that, you know, that the fight is all but done, and then to go, no, I'm actually really tired of the way. I don't fancy it. I'm going to vacate and move up. That's insane. So I'm shocked by that. Um, you know, Terry Flanagan's a great fighter. If I'm not mistaken, I think he's got the the longest unbeaten record out of all the British boxers right now, currently. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like him, but, you know, I want to see him in a big fight because he's been in a few boring ones lately, to be honest. Kevin Farmer will face Kenichi Ogawa for vacant IBF Super Featherweight belt on December 9th at Manila Bay in Las Vegas. Yes, this fight, of course, for the vacant IBF title, the one that Javonte Davis was stripped of when he fouled the weight on the Mayweather undercard against McGregor. Um, I don't know too much about Ogawa. I know that Billy Dibb was in place to fight, so I'm not quite sure what's happened with him. But, um, yeah, you know, Tevin Farmer, he's been on the show a couple of times. I wish him all the best of luck with his fight, and... Um, Hopefully he can get the W, but uh, of course he's had it rough in his personal life quite, you know, in the in the past couple months. He was shot in his hand, of all places, being a boxer, that's quite a dangerous thing, of course. So, uh, yeah, credit to, credit to both guys there. Hopefully it's a good fight, but yeah, my loyalty, of course, lies with Tevin Farmer. Rocky Fielden will face Eric Skogeland for the WBC Silver title. Yes, of course, that fight happening on the Bellew versus Hay undercard on December 17th. Um, you know, Skogland, you know, he, he was obviously, he was quite a decent fight, wasn't he? I mean, we saw him in a decent-ish, I mean, it wasn't a great fight, but he gave Callum Smith a few problems. Um, I think it's a great, great fight, as you said there, for the WBC Silver Super Middleweight title at the O2 Arena as well. Um, you know, I really like Rocky Fielding, I rate him a lot. It's, it's a really, really, really good fight. It really is. I'm happy to see, um, you know, a decent fight on the undercard. We weren't too sure if the undercard was going to be any good for this fight, but that's a great addition to the bill. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's a great fight. Of course, both men with only one loss on their record, both to the same man in Callum Smith. So, really interesting fight, that one. And finally, uh, the beast, Anthony Yard, will face Nicholas Jekyllow for the WBA Intercontinental title. Yeah, I think it's Nikolai Shvetlocker, another opponent of Callum Smith. Callum Smith went the distance with him. I think he's only got four losses on his resume, if I'm not mistaken, and all four times he's gone the distance. But he's in decent form because in his last fight, if I'm not mistaken, he got a draw with somebody. Can't remember right now off the top of my head, but anyway, he got a draw, and Anthony Yard puts his WBO Intercontinental belt on the line here. So, yes, you know, it should be a good fight. Hopefully Anthony Yard ends up stopping this guy. I mean, he's got a He's got a decent name in the UK, I suppose, to some degree, taking on the people that he's took on. But, you know, realistically, we do want to see Yard in with some of the bigger names. Um, it's just come back to me now. It was Nikola Shvetlokas, actually, in his last fight, got a split draw against Robert Stieglitz. That was for the EBU light heavyweight title. So, um, yeah, you know, he's coming off some decent form. And Anthony Yard will look to make an easy night's work out of him, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully Anthony Yard goes the distance. I'd like to see him, you know, go go ten rounds or twelve rounds or whatever it is. But yeah, it's a you know, it's a decent fight of course. And it's you know, obviously it's gonna be on the undercard, but it's a decent fight for the undercard. Of course the the, the two main events, so to speak, is gonna be Lee Selby and James DeGaulle. So that bill's shaping up to be a really good one. Yep, that's it for the news.
Okay, Ayaz, thank you very much. Moving over now to the preview, and we're going to try to go through this quite quickly. Um, tonight, actually, later on tonight in the Casino del Sol in Tucson, Arizona, USA. One fight to mention, Hector Tanahara. He's been on the show before. He's 10-0 now. He's a prospect. He takes on a guy who's 6-4. It's a six-rounder. The other guy's name is Oscar Eduardo Quezadza or something like that. So uh, all the very best to Hector Tanahara. Moving over now to, uh, to Russia. There's a fight on this bill that is quite a mad one in all honesty. So we've got in one corner Andrei Sorokin, who is 13 and 0. He's a he's a decent fighter. I think he may have even been an Olympian, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, he's fighting for the vacant WBA international super middleweight title against a guy called Ricardo Mayorga, the uh, the nutcase. He is 32 and 9 with one draw. If you don't know the story behind Mayorga. It is quite a bizarre one. We often see him in between fights, um, you know, sleeping in gas stations in South America. He's uh, he's absolutely mental. He likes to, I think he's smoked a cigarette in the ring before. He likes a cigar outside the ring. I remember one time when he smacked Shane Mosley's girlfriend's behind, right in front of Shane Mosley. He's a complete nutcase. And it's mad to see him up at super middleweight these days. He's put on so much weight, but uh, you just never know what you're going to get with him. But he's absolutely crackers. Moving over now to Germany. One fight to mention over here. Um, it's, it's mad, you know, like obviously females boxing is what it is, but we're seeing Christina Hammer, who's 21-0, and 0, defending her WBO and WBC world female middleweight titles against a lady called Gifty Ankra. Gifty Ankra's record is 7-4 and four with one draw, so I'd imagine Christina Hammer will probably get the job done pretty easy there. Moving over now to Tijuana, Mexico. Um, one fight to mention, or two fights to mention on this bill. Luis Neri, the guy who recently won a world title then fouled a drug test we're not quite sure what's going on but three months later here he's back in the ring so what's all that about um lewis neary 24 and 0 takes on arthur villanueva who's 31 and 2 that should be a decent fight i remember villanueva fought recently against zelani tete and zelani tete did the business it's a 10 round of that one so should be a good fight hopefully and also on this bill Jose Zapida 27 and 1 talking of Terry Flanagan earlier this was the guy that um, Terry Flanagan knocked out or beat because of the injury I should say for the vacant title that time he takes on Abner Lopez who's 25 and 7 that's a 10 rounder there that's it from Mexico moving over now to Monaco the Sky card credit to Sky Sports this weekend of course showing two bills they've got the Monaco card with Eddie Hearn and they've got the um, you know the Deontay Wilder card as well just after that so the Monaco card to start with here. Um, Scott Quigg, 33-1 and one with two draws, takes on Oleg Yefimovic. Never heard of him, to be completely honest. His record, 29-2 and two with one draw. Um, he hasn't been stopped in those two losses either. Uh, it's a 12-rounder there. This one, as we've actually asked our listeners about, so we're going to do predictions here. Scott Quigg against Yefimovic. How do we see this fight playing out? Scott Quigg and his guy here. How does, how does this fight end? Who wins it and how? I'm going to go for Scott Quigg on by knockout. You're going to go Scott Quigg on knockout. Okay, I'm going to go Scott Quigg. Ooh, 
man. I'm going to go Scott Quigg on points, I think. I think I'm going to go Scott Quigg on points. Our listeners have gone with Quigg by knockout as well, so you're joined their eyes on that one. But like I say, this guy hasn't been stopped, so hopefully I gain a point because I'm behind at the moment. Um, the scores currently, by the way, I should have mentioned, is I am on eight points, Ayaz is on nine, and our listeners are on nine, so it's really hotting up this one. Um... We've got Ajit Kabayel, who is 16-0, putting his EBU heavyweight title on the line against Derek Chisora, 27-7. This one is interesting. Kabayel, he's 16-0 with 12 knockouts. He's beaten some decent guys. Obviously, Derek Chisora, you know, we know him very well. We don't have to talk about what he's done. But how do you see that one playing out, guys? The EBU European heavyweight title on the line, a decent belt there for Chisora. He's probably at that level really now. I don't think he's got too much left to offer, but this guy is relatively unknown, relatively unproven, I suppose, in some respects. So uh should be interesting. But how do you see this one playing out? This is another fight that we've asked our listeners about. I'm I'm going for a Chisora knockout as well. Okay. Right, you go with Chisora by knockout. I'm gonna go Chisora on points. Our listeners have actually gone with Chisora to win. Oh, it's another tie. It's another tie. This is happening all too often. It's another tie. Chisora on points. They've gone with 44% and Chisora by knockout 44%. Um, oh, boy. What are we going to do in this instance? Okay, so I'm going to have to, hopefully by the end of the show, if I retweet it, hopefully by the end of the show, somebody, there's a bit of a nudge on there. But anyway, I'm going to go with Chisora points. You're going with Chisora by knockout. Um, also on this bill, We've got Dimitri Bivol, 11 and 0, takes on Trent Broadhurst, 20 and 1 for the WBA World Light Heavyweight Title. Um, of course, I think this is the first fight that, uh, well, this is the first fight that Bivol's having with Eddie Hearn. It should be interesting. Hopefully, we see more of Bivol. It's for the WBA World Light Heavyweight Title. How do you see that one going, Ayers? I'm going for Bivol on points. Bivol points, right? I'm going with Bivol knockout. Our listeners have gone with Bivol knockout as well. And the, and the main event itself for the WBA World Bantamweight title. By the way, I just want to praise this bill. Even though there's not many fights on it, there's some quality fights on it. It's a rematch here. Jamie McDonald, 29 and 2 with one draw, takes on Laborio Solis. It was extremely close last time. It's another fight here, another rematch. And of course, I think after this fight, Jamie McDonald will move up in weight. Um, to super bantamweight. How do you see this one playing out, Ayers? Um I'm going for a McDonald win in points, but he's going to win it in style. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with him to win on points as well. I think it's... Uh... I think, you know, he doesn't get much credit from, from the British public, unfortunately. Jamie McDonald, very underrated champion and arguably one of our best, if not if not our best, to be completely honest. Um, I really like him. I've got a lot of time for him, but... Oh, it's a hard one. I mean, yeah, I'm going to go with McDonald on points. So of our our listeners. So hopefully we all get it right there. But um, I think he just really wants to kind of prove that he won the fight last time, or you know, just to kind of end any controversy, any any kind of split between people. Some people thought that Solis nicked it. I thought it was very close. Um, Dave Caldwell, the trainer of Jamie McDonald's, told me a few times now that it was so close, it could have gone either way. That's him being brutally honest. So hopefully we see you know, a distinctive victory from either guy. Hopefully someone wins it clearly enough that we don't need a third match. And I don't think we will see one even if there was you know, a call in for a third match anyway. But all the very best to Jamie McDonald on that one. Moving over now to Georgia, USA, uh, the Marriott Marquis. There is one fight to mention over here. 
Undefeated prospect Devin Haney, 17-0, takes on Hamza Sempuo, who is 14-8. That's a six-rounder there. Moving over now to the Barclays Center, Brooklyn, New York, USA. Really, this is the bill of the weekend, in my honest opinion. Um, just flying through it quickly. Shawnee Monaghan, he's on the bill, 28-1. He's in an eight-rounder against Everett Bravo, who's 23-6 with one draw. Obviously, Sean Moneyhan coming off of that loss. Uh, knockout loss. Can't remember who he lost to now. He lost to... Um, oh, it's really slipped my mind, man. Today, this week, really slipping my mind. I don't like to look at the records and cheat. I like to tell it how it is. But yeah, Shawnee Monaghan, he's returning from being knocked out. So credit to him. Also on this bill, Amanda Serrano, 33-1 and one with one draw. She's in a eight-round contest, of course. Eight two-minute rounds against Marilyn Hernandez, who's 26-10. and 10. Also on the bill for the vacant WBC silver title, Sean Porter, 27-2 and two with one draw, takes on Adrian Granados, 18-5 and five with two draws. Better than his record suggests. Arguably should have got the decision over Adrian Broner that night. That's a 10-rounder there. Um, that, that's got the, uh, the makings for a really good fight, that one. But Sean Porter... I think probably wins that fight. I think he's. Uh, I still think he's one of the top guys at one four seven, despite losing. Um, you know, of course, to Brook and and to Furman the way he did. Um, also on the bill, Sergei Lipinets twelve and zero fights for the vacant IBF World Super Lightweight title. Of course, one of the belts that Terence Crawford um, relinquished. He takes on Akihiro Kondo, who's 29-6 with one draw. Um, I don't really know anything about this guy Kondo, so I'm guessing Lipinets probably wins this fight in style. Um, also on this bill, a man that we spoke to earlier on in the show, Eric Molina, 26-4, former opponent of Deontay Wilder, former opponent of Anthony Joshua, takes on Dominic Brazil, former opponent of Anthony Joshua. 18-1, he is Dominic Brazil with 16 knockouts. Um both men can punch it's a hard fight I'm not going to pick a winner because in fact I am going to pick a winner I'm going to be bad about it I'm going to pick a winner here it's a 12 round contest I've asked our listeners about this one as well Um, our listeners have gone with let me just check they've gone with Brazil to win on points that's an interesting one I don't think this fight goes to points I don't think either man thinks it goes to points either um yeah, I think Brazil wins this fight by knockout against Molina, if I'm if I'm being completely honest. I really like Molina. Hope he doesn't want to beat me up after that, but um, that's the way I see it. How do you see that one I has between Molina and Brazil this weekend on the on the Wilder undercard? Um, I think I think it's going to be a very good fight. Now they, they say uh, if Brazil win, he go, he can go fight Dillian White. Um, I'm going to go with Brazil win on points. Interesting. Okay, interesting. Um. Obviously, Brazil, um, you know, yourself, sorry, and, and the listeners both agreeing on that one. Um, okay, moving up the bill once again. The the main event, of course, Deontay Wilder, 38-0, takes on Bermain Stavern, 25-2, with one draw. It's for the WBC World Heavyweight title. It's a rematch, of course. It's not really Deontay Wilder's fault that he's not taking on Luis Ortiz. It was his fault for failing the drugs test. And, of course, Bermain Stavern steps in... Um, it's a fight he's been, you know, he's, he's wanted for a long time. He's in the mandatory position. It's a mandatory defense. He hasn't actually fought for two years, so God knows how he's been ranked mandatory. But it is what it is. Bermain Stavern versus Deontay Wilder. Ayers. What I just want to say before I get your prediction. Deontay Wilder lately, I don't know if it's just because of, you know, his bad hands or if it's just because he's 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 a little bit disinterested or because he's just simply 
you know, not that good when he's got up to the real proper level, or the fact that he just, he, you know, he's just he's just not got the hunger there. I don't know what it is because he he shouldn't be he shouldn't really have any motivational or hunger issues at all. But what I will say is, I've seen him be outboxed quite easily by people who are not that great boxers, and then all of a sudden, bang, one one shot and the fight's over. We know he's got the power to do that. But Main Stavern, however, has got a good chin in my honest opinion, but he has been out the ring for the two years. And do you know what? I'm going to actually go, you know, I'm going to make a bit of a bold prediction here and say that if Stavern was not inactive for two years, if he was actually quite active and, and winning fights against decent guys, I'd probably pick him to beat Deontay Wilder. But just purely down to the fact that um, that Stavern has been out the ring for that long, I'm going to have to go with Wilder to win by knockout. What's your pick on that one, I? As our listeners have gone with Wilder by knockout, I'm guessing you're going to go with the same thing. The last time they fought was in 2015, January 2015, when Wilder fought Stavern. That was a very good fight. That's the first time I saw Wilder actually box. He's been outboxed before. He got outboxed by Spilker before, so he landed a dangerous right hand and knocked him out. I'm going to go with Wilder by knockout. Yeah, it's hard to choose anything else. I mean, he is. He's a, he's a scary power man, really. When you think about the power he possesses, he you know he's not the biggest. I mean, he's he's a tall guy, but he's he's not really thick set. It doesn't really look like he's got you know this this concussive, just absolute lights out style punch. But he does. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard to really see anything else. But but yeah, I can see him being outboxed for a, you know for the first few rounds though. And and like you said, there he was being outboxed by Spilker, who's. A little bit limited, we've kind of found out. Um, and also, in his last fight against Gerald Washington, he lost every round until he got the knockout punch, in my honest opinion. But yeah, it's always interesting. He's never really in a dull fight. We saw him box really well that one night, and I don't really know if he can do the same thing. That's what kind of you know makes it quite interesting. And moving over now to the final bill. This is uh, this is this is quite a weird one here. One fight at the Silver Eagle Gun Arena in Virginia, USA. Friend of the show, Hassim Rackman Jr., of course, son of the former heavyweight world champ Hassim Rackman. He takes on a guy called James Jones, who's four and eleven. Now, a little quick story about Hassim Rackman Jr. He's in a four rounder here. Hassim Rackman Jr. was supposed to fight last weekend. Oh, as right, this is this is serious. He was supposed to fight last weekend, and he got in the ring, and then his opponent came to the ring, and then his opponent was complaining that something was wrong with his gloves. So the corner were touching his gloves, the commission and the doctor was touching his gloves, trying to find out what it was, and then he was complaining, and he basically said he needs to go back to the locker room to have his hands re-wrapped or to have his gloves taken off. It was something, he'd come up with some kind of excuse, really, to, you know, to take his gloves off. So anyway... They take him back to the, you know, to, to the dressing room. And in the meantime, the, the MC in the ring says, sorry to the crowd. He's apologizing, saying, sorry, we're going to get going in about 15 minutes. We just a little bit of a break here. You know, apologies for the inconvenience. And Hassim Reckman Jr. is in the ring, bouncing on his toes, ready to go. And of course, it's, it's annoying for him because he's ready. You know, he's rearing up to go. And this guy is not ready anyway. Next thing you know, there's an announcement about five minutes after that. And uh, the guy goes back to the to the locker room and completely changes his mind and says, no, I don't want to fight him. So that was it. So 
you know, they actually announced Hazim Rekman as, as the winner. But, of course, it didn't count on his record because there was no fight. But the guy actually got to the ring and did not fancy it at all and decided to pull out of the fight on fight night. So, uh, Hassim Rekman Jr. was was absolutely... He was going crazy. It looked like he wanted to fight the ref at one point. And, um, I mean, that that's definitely up there with one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. The, the footage is on YouTube. It was at a small hall show in America. And um, I think it may have even been in Philadelphia. But, no, completely, completely crazy stuff there. I mean, that is unbelievable. And that really wraps up the the preview and part of the show. Um, I think it's, it's it's a good note to end it on there. A little, little bit of a story there. If you didn't know about that one, check that one out. That's it for the preview. And we've done the review and we've done the news. We brought you guest number one, of course. We've done the preview in now. And it's now time, just before we wrap up this show entirely, it's now time to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the WBO Intercontinental Welterweight Champion, Mr. Gary Corcoran. Gary, welcome to the show. Cheers, Ed. Nice for having me on. It's always a pleasure, my friend. So, Gary, we last spoke after your win over Larry Ekendale, which was your last fight, of course, and that one was the one in which you captured the WBO Intercontinental Belt, which led to you being ranked in the top 15. It's now been made official that Jeff Horn will defend his WBO welterweight world title against you on December 13th in Brisbane, Australia. It will, of course, be his first defence since winning the title from Manny Pacquiao. Um, So, firstly, Gary, how did this all come about? I was just hoping for the British. I was hoping for the British. I knew it was in the world rankings. My trainer always told me, just keep uh, just keep beating us in front of you. Just keep beating us in front of you. And you never know one day you're going to get picked out of a hat. And my name did. So uh, I'm very happy. And I know that Bradley Skeet was linked with that fight for a period of time. Most people, including myself, probably thought he'd have a better chance of getting the shot over yourself. Now, unfortunately for him, and fortunately for you, you've landed the shot. Now, providing you get through this fight, Gary, would you look at defending against Skeet, or is he a mate of yours? I know you're both with Frank Warren. What would likely be the case there? We're, we're mates. We're mates, but it's business. It's business. I just have to uh, check where... It's all contracts, all shit. So if if I had a chance, if I had a chance, I'd fight Bradley. But it might be all things in my contracts, rematch clauses, or to fight, uh, to fight Pacquiao. So it doesn't really matter. I'm happy to fight whoever. As long as it's the right price on the table and some some bring me forward. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Now, unbelievably, you will fight for a world title a lot quicker than Liam Williams, your arch nemesis, eventually will. Now, despite losing to him last year, he's had a bit of bad luck. You've been very fortunate. I'm sure you're over the moon to get a shot at a world title before he does. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very happy. I'm very, listen, with him, it was a learn. It wasn't a lose. I lost fair enough, but it was a learn for me. I didn't, uh, I wasn't going to have to too too cocky, too... uh, I took him too lightly. Took a lot of fights. I very lightly, so uh, it was a man for me. So to put things right and win this world title, and I'll never look back at it. Now I remember watching the Pacquiao versus Horn fight, and I remember even betting on the fight during the fight for Horn to win because, in my opinion, um, you know he was he was winning quite comfortably. But of course, that was the first I'd actually seen of him. In all honesty, had you seen much of him before that fight against Pacquiao at all? No, I haven't seen uh never seen him, never heard of him in my life till till the Pacquiao. You beat Pacquiao and uh, now we all heard of him and uh 
I didn't think I'd be fighting him, and I got the chance, so I'm glad. What do you know about him as a fighter, Gary? I know he'd become forward fighter. He's in turn pro to be just quite big, something like that. And uh, I just think uh, Styles may fight, and he, he has the right style for me to adapt to, and I think uh, it's going to be an all-action fight. Now, come fight night, it would mean that, including Jeff Horn, of your last seven opponents, five of them were unbeaten. You took Rick Godin's O, you took Rick Skelton's O, of course you came up short against Liam Williams, you took Larry Ekendeo's O. This is your chance to not only take away four fighters' O's in seven fights, but to, of course, capture the WBO welterweight championship of the world. Now, how motivating is that for you? Obviously, it's happening in Australia, but I bet you cannot wait to Get over there. Oh, I can't. I can't wait. I was over there for the press conference, the normal press conference, and I was flying to Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, all them places. So I, was, I got quite. I got to size them up. I'm a, I, I got to size them up. I'm a lot bigger than them. I feel. I, I look at them. I think I, uh, he won't. He won't bully me. One thing he won't bully me like he bully Pacquiao. And uh, if I get it right, if I get it. Right, I will be world champion. I'm happy to hear you say that because I was going to ask you about sizing him up. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that. That was my next question, but you've answered that. Um, when did when did camp start for this fight, and when will camp end, and when will you be flying out to Australia? I know that, of course, we're a while away from the fight, but it will take you a little while to acclimatise and so on. I was always, I was always keeping myself fit. I mean, I'm always an active kid. For me, I'm always, I'm always in shape. I'm always in shape for the few weeks for the fight. Anyway, so. Uh, I was training like five or six weeks before. I was just I was taking just taking down, and then I got this phone call. Got this phone call. I'm fighting for the world title, and uh, so happy to get it. I'm pleased for you, my man. I'm pleased for you. Um, we've kind of whizzed through the questions pretty much. I wanted to ask you also, is there any upcoming fights? It hasn't got to be in the welterweight division. It can be in any division. Is there any upcoming fights that you're looking forward to that you want to give your opinion on at all? Oh, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to my old, my old wet, my nemesis, Liam Williams. I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to that to see how that turns up, how that fight goes. Liam Smith, Liam Williams. I'm looking forward out to see how that goes. But uh, no, I'm not. Uh, not really bothered about any other fights. Not really bothered. Just looking forward to mine, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the way. That's the way you should feel. And just before I let you go, Gary, anything that you want to tell our listeners at all? Just before we let you go. Yeah, just, uh, just. Watch watch my fight, December 3rd, and, and the new. And the new, and the new. And it's weird, it's happening on a Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's on a Wednesday. It's on a Wednesday, but I can't complain. It's a world title, you know what I mean? So, who told Jeffrey Hearn would be a world champion last year? You know what I mean? So, I think it's my time to shine. It certainly is. It certainly is. And just before I let you go, your, uh, your, you know, your your Twitter and Instagram handles or Facebook. Where can people follow you if they aren't already following, which they should be? <laughs> yeah, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Gary Corkin twenty one. I'm there. Excellent, excellent. Okay, listen, Gary, it's always a pleasure, mate. Thank you for your time. Best of luck in your quest to become the first ever English born WBO welterweight world champion. Yep, it's gonna be brilliant. And the news. Okay, now it's time to wrap up episode 107 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. Just quickly, the 
results are in on the Chisora poll. I retweeted it. We got some extra votes, and the listeners believe that Chisora will win by knockout. So just quickly, there are six points up for grabs this weekend. I've gone with Wilder by knockout, so as I have, so have the listeners. We've all three of us have all gone with McDonald to win on points, so that's another another result that we all believe the same there. I've gone with Brazil by knockout. The listeners have gone with Brazil on points, and Ayaz has gone with Brazil on points as well. Um, I've gone with Quig on points, but the listeners and Ayaz have also gone with Quig to win by knockout. Um, I've gone with Chisora on points, but Ayaz and the listeners have gone with Chisora by knockout. I've gone with Bivol by knockout, and so have the listeners, and Ayaz has gone with Bivol to win on points. So six points up for grabs this weekend. Should be interesting this time next week. The competition, by the way, um, I want everybody to either DM us on Twitter or send us a tweet on Twitter. And what you've basically got to do is send us a list of five boxers or trainers or promoters, people involved in boxing, the top five list of people that you dislike in boxing. And although I'm not going to disclose who I dislike in boxing, if you send me in a list of, uh, of the people that you dislike, there's a chance that we probably share the same opinion on those people. So whoever names the most names of people that I dislike out of your list of five will win a Box Hard Podcast t-shirt. We've got them on Twitter. If you can um, head over to our Twitter page at Box Hard Podcast, you'll see the t-shirts. They come in a range of sizes. So the winner will be able to choose their desired size. We've got, I think, sizes maybe from small to, to XL. So um, many sizes there. And um, yeah, just, just, just enter the competition by simply sending a list of five boxes. You don't have to you know address it any differently. I'll know what that is when I see the tweet and whoever you know names the most boxes that I dislike will win a t-shirt and we will send it out in the coming days so that will be the case it's an interesting it's a funny competition there's no kind of correct answer you can't do a bit of research and come up with it you're just going to name a few names and if I dislike three of them or four of them or even better five you've definitely won a t-shirt so all the very best of luck with that I'd like to thank our two guests for this week's show of course Mr. Eric Molina the heavyweight the the man that people continue to overlook but it's actually a really good fighter and of course a really good man at heart to do what he does in his spare time and also of course Gary Corcoran the man that's hit the jackpot he will be fighting for the world title come December 13th in Australia. All the very best to both guys with their respective fights. And that's really it from me now. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for staying with us if you have done for this whole show. Again, if you do get a chance, please leave us a review on iTunes. It would be great to see that. You can follow us across Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Box Hard Podcast. We will be back next week with another big show as per usual. Until then, take care. <laughs>